0: Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. And for leading us in that time of worship, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word. We're going to begin to get today in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5. As we wrap up our series, it's been entitled, What's Missing? Standing Out in Cancel Culture. Uh, We're wrapping up the series today. We focused on the importance of uh, kindness, empathy, joy, things of that nature. If you haven't been able to check it out, you can uh, find it online, find it on our podcast and and catch up. Um, But today we're going to focus in on hope. Uh, As we stand out, as as we as disciples and as the church seek to stand out in a cancel culture, Hope matters. And we finish this series considering the hope that believers in Christ have. Now, why is this important? Well, hope is important because our culture places its hope in so many things that it shouldn't. For our culture, hope is, is placed in government systems or ideologies. Our hope is placed in candidates running for office. Our culture's hope is it's placed in influencers, movie stars, artists. Music, musical acts, all, all of these and more. Uh, the wealthy, the famous. Hope is, is placed in materialism in our culture. It's placed in education and, and in science. It's placed in the next generation. Hope is placed in all of these pl- places. Ho- hope is placed in techno- technological advances. And so on and so on. We could go where the culture places is hope. But true hope, true hope is found and resides in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. So as the church, we stand out from culture and we stand on the truth of God's holy word, because true hope is found in Christ. And what is missing from the culture is a full expression of the hope that resides in knowing Christ. The church, church, we should not be cultural Ill- illiterate, okay? We should not be illiterate about what's going on in culture. We should not pull away and isolate ourselves from culture because if we do that, we can't fulfill the command that Jesus gives to be salt and light. So we shouldn't be illiterate about the culture, but we shouldn't be camouflaged into the culture. As disciples, as authentic followers of Jesus Christ and as the church, we can't be camouflaged into the culture because we have a mission, we have a purpose And authentic followers of Christ should rest in the hope of Christ, project the hope of Christ, and live out the hope that's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does God have to say about hope? Today I want to show you three principles, three key elements for hope for our lives. To move from a culture that is hopeless to a Christ that is hopeful. And that we draw that hope from for all of eternity in our life. So let's consider some key scriptures this morning that when applied to our life, not only fills us with hope, it helps us to live out and project hope in a culture that desperately needs hope. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 is where we begin. And the first principle is this, hope is found in salvation. Hope is found in salvation. At the Burke household recently, we had to hold out hope. Our cat, Duke, he kind of went roaming and went missing. And, 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 and my daughter was really upset that he wasn't there, and I had to reassure her that this is what cats do, right? They just take off and wander around and go wherever. and They'll eventually come back around. Well, it lasted a little bit longer than Daddy thought it was going to last. So there was some distress at the house. Kids were missing their pet, but I was missing the predator that the cat is. Because he had been hunting some stuff, and I didn't realize just how much he had been hunting. Because a couple of Saturdays ago, i go out on our back porch, have my afternoon coffee, reading a book I just got, and i sit down to read it, and it was like a Disney princess movie happened. All these critters started coming out from everywhere. Look up, and there's a blue jay on the patio furniture. Chipmunks come out of the jasmine on the side running through the backyard. All these squirrels come out of the trees down by the bayou, and there they are just everywhere. I thought I was in Dr. Doolittle's backyard. That's how bad it was. I'm like, this cat's got to come home. I can't have all this in my backyard. So we held out hope. We held out hope, and guess what? By the power of Facebook and sweet dear neighbors, Duke made it back home. Amen? Amen. Now I think he's gone again, so hopefully he comes back. (laughs) But we held out hope that the cat would return, and he returned, and it was great. And Paul writes here about the hope of salvation that you and I have if we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's where hope resides, in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Not verbally knowing, not a head knowledge of knowing it, but a transformed life that has been placed into the arms of a living Savior, eternal Holy Savior that we've trusted with all that we are to forgive us of our sins, to redeem us, to create us new. The Apostle Paul uses a distinct word picture as he writes to the church in Thessalonica. He speaks to the church about, in this context where this verse is located, he speaks to the church about living a life filled with light, Now, that's very important. Whenever you see light and darkness in Scripture, you want to take notice. You want to underline that. You want to highlight that. If we go back to the Gospel of John, we see that there are seven I am statements that Jesus gives. And one of those I am statements that Jesus gives as he declares who he is, he says, I am light of the world. So for those that trust Jesus as disciples, as the church of the Lord Jesus, to follow him means to project and live out the light that he is and he's called us to reflect and to be. And so in this context, Paul speaks about this all stems from the hope that comes in salvation. This is what Paul pins. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The believer's hope, Paul says, is like a helmet. Like a helmet you would take and you would put on. That salvation is where hope is. To be redeemed by the Lord Jesus brings hope. The hope of all eternity. Paul says that we put that hope on, the hope of salvation, just like we would put on a helmet. And why is that important for us as we follow Jesus? Why is that important for our daily life? Why, Preacher, why is that important for when I go back to my routine tomorrow morning on Monday morning? Well, it's important to put on the helmet of hope because every day for the life of the believer is a spiritual battlefield. And a lot of times we walk through our rhythms of life and we fail to acknowledge the battlefield we find ourselves on as we seek to live out our faith and as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus. But it's true. And it's a, the reason why the helmet of salvation is important to put on, because what happens in our minds? Just for a second, consider that. What happens in our minds day in and day out? To put on the hope of salvation means that we are we're going to trust in the Lord and have faith in him that he will protect our mind. That that he would bring protection, that we would be reminded of the hope of salvation in him, and that he would would begin to protect our thoughts. Have you ever thought something and gone, man, I can't believe that that was in my head? That's part of the spiritual warfare that we all deal with. And to put on the, the helmet of salvation is to protect The thoughts, because if if there's one thing that Satan wants to get in, into our life, he wants to to wedge a crack into our lives and to begin to to slowly maneuver, he's going to try to do that in our mind. If we go back to Genesis 3, what was his tactic to Adam and Eve? Well, surely God didn't say, right? Right? Right there in the Garden of Eden, where the fall takes place, where sin enters into the world, Satan's tactic was to get into their mind that psychological warfare, that spiritual battle. Well, certainly, God didn't say that. Without that helmet of hope through salvation and turning to Christ, Satan will want to creep into our minds and into our thoughts. He wants to sprinkle negativity on our attitudes. Nothing more than Satan wants a believer to have a negative outlook and attitude on everything. Because if you're negative about everything, you're not worshiping the king. If you're negative about everything that's going on and your attitude shows, you're turning people off from who Christ is. Because they don't think you have hope either. Hope is supposed to be light that draws others in. It's supposed to be inviting that brings them in. But when Satan can wedge in and he can sprinkle all that negativity and all those negative thoughts on our attitude and in our mind because we're not putting on the helmet of hope, of salvation, then we're not being that light. And the battle is on. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our intellect, He's going he's to say, well, you know you know better than God. You're smarter. You're smarter than everyone else. You, this, this sin that's in your life, you're smarter than everyone else. You won't get caught with that. That's a lie straight from the evil one. He'll tell you that you're different. That that sin won't affect you or your family or your spouse or your children. He'll tell you that sin that, that keeps rearing its ugly head it's okay because it's you you're different you're separate but he wants to destroy you with that sin he'll be your biggest cheerleader on the front end and then after that sin takes place he'll be your biggest accuser on the back end and it's a battle and the helmet of hope that comes through salvation and knowing the lord is what the believer needs day in and day out. We have been purified by this salvation. We have been redeemed in this salvation. We have been made new as new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we return to that redemption. We return to that moment, and we place on the helmet of hope as we seek to be a light for him. It guides us in living out this salvation that has been secured by Jesus for his name and for his glory. Why it's so important. So important to hear the words of Paul when he says, The hope of salvation is our helmet, and we turn back to that. Hope is found in salvation, and therefore it is an anchor for our life. And that's the second element I want to share with you this morning. now is hope found in salvation, that's where it begins, that is the first step, but hope is an anchor for our life. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Take a moment, flip over to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to read verse 19 together in this next next verse that we have. or Maybe you're on your device, you can just scroll up, find that real quick. We're going to see hope is an anchor for our life. My wife and I have taken a couple of cruises, and I remember the first cruise that we took, we joined in on, on some pretty cool excursions, and one of those excursions, we came to a the dock and we got out with everybody else, walked out, one of the first times we were off the boat since we had got on the boat, we're walking down that boardwalk at the port kind of thing and I remember looking back, I look back and then I have to look all the way up <clears throat> and in that moment I was reminded, that's pretty big. It's a massive vessel that I'm looking at. It's not just simply look back and there it is. No, you turn and you got to look all the way up, right? That's how big these things are. But you know what? That wasn't going anywhere at that point in time because they had lowered the anchors. As it came in to where it was supposed to dock, they had lowered the anchors down. And we were going to go on our excursion and we were going to come back and we were going to look at it. Because it wasn't going anywhere. It was held there by that anchor. And it wasn't moving until that anchor was taken back up. And the author of Hebrews uses this imagery to show us the hope that we have in Christ. That in Christ, we have hope that anchors us. We sing about heaven coming to fight for us. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That he would come fight for us, that he would be there in the midst of whatever we face, that he would anchor us and not forsake us. That he would anchor us and hold us and sustain us. The author of Hebrews, he writes this, he notes there in that one verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. The author here, he provides insight on the certainty of God's promise. Don't forget the promises of God, okay? Whatever battle you're facing, don't forget the promises of God. Because he's there to anchor us. He's there to to hold us, to keep us, to sustain us. He says in this passage elsewhere, he says, God is unable to lie. If we looked at that passage and we would see that that God is unable to lie. So what God says is truth. And what God says is right. And so when God says that he anchors us, that we have this hope and anchor for our soul, we can trust in what God says. Because he's not going to lead us astray. He's, He's not the author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. Our Father, our good Heavenly Father, our great God, is the Author of clarity. And so here he's showing that hope is an anchor for our life. What do we we learn regarding hope? Well, in this passage elsewhere, we we first learn that hope encourages us. Think, Think about this. When God says that he will anchor your soul firm and secure, doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that build you up? You know, encouragement really means just placing courage in someone else. And, and the Word of God is sharing a promise of God. God doesn't lie. It's the true Word of God. And inserting within us, building us up with courage, that He anchors our soul firm and secure. Just like that big vessel that I looked at, it wasn't going anywhere until those acres came up. God's anchor for us isn't coming up. God's not leaving us behind. God's not forsaking us. No, he is there to provide us with hope that will anchor us in the midst of the battle we are facing. Anchor us in the midst of the journey that we're on. Anchor us until we are gloriously in his presence for all eternity. God's hope, it encourages us to continue move forward next we learn that this hope provides security just as I spoke of it provides that security how many commercials will we see this weekend watching ball games or our favorite movie on tv or whatever where there's a car commercial there's parents and then there's kids buckled up in the back right and then what flashes across the screen they flash the credentials of being a safe automobile it's been tested the automobile's been tested, it's received five stars, Motor Trend. it'll give you all the credentials of why that automobile will keep your family safe. Why? Why is that? Because they know that we have a desire to feel secure. We, they know, as they market this to us, that we want to feel safe as we travel as a family as we go in and out of our daily routines as a family, that safety matters. They see it as a selling point, but it's preying on a desire of our heart to want to feel safe. Friend, you will never feel any more safe than in the security that the hope of Christ provides. You'll never feel any more safe anywhere else, placing your hope in any other thing, rather than the living, reigning Savior, whose name is King Jesus. In him is that hope and that security to keep us and sustain us as an anchor. Finally, we learn that it runs deep. Let's don't miss the last part of this verse. Revisit Hebrews 6, 19 with me. The author says, It enters this hope, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So, what do we learn? We learn that it runs deep, this hope, it runs very deep, even into the throne room of the living God. Now, for you and I, this may not be so clear. For the original audience, as the author writes to those Hebrews, they would have been harkened back to what we find in the Old Testament that in the temple, There was a specific place known as the inner sanctuary or the Holy of Holies. And there was a curtain that separated that from everyone as they came into the temple. And one time a year, the high priest's job, the number number one guy in the temple, he would go through all the necessary requirements to enter behind that curtain to make atonement for the sin of all the people. It's known as the Day of Atonement. So the author of Hebrews, he's drawing on that history, he's drawing on that heritage, he's drawing on their understanding of the temple to show that the hope that is in Christ, it runs deep, it runs so deep into the inner sanctuary, to the very throne room of God. That's why hope in Christ can anchor us. Because hope in Christ is secured by him For him, not by what we try to do or accomplish, and it's by our faith in him that this hope brings the security of all eternity. And this hope matters. It matters for our every day. It matters for who Christ calls us to be. And it's an anchor for our life. And this anchor, it will not falter. This anchor sustains us. So we see. And when we think about what's missing in our culture is, is hope. Hope should not be missing in the church because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done, and the promises of the living God. And hope is found in salvation. Hope is an anchor for our life. And as we talk about a battle, I want you to know that hope is present in the midst of grief. Hope is present in the midst of grief. Because as we journey through life, as we have journey through this year, both personally and collectively, we've all encountered grief in some form or fashion. And grief is heavy. And that's why we need the hope of Jesus in the midst of it. I love what Pastor Craig Groeschel says. He says, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. We need hope in the midst of what we face. And in the battle, we will face grief. And there's hope in the Lord. And I want to share just one quick verse. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. I just want to share it with you. It's an Old Testament verse. Job chapter 13, verse 15. Listen to what Job Job responds to his friends. He says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Now hang in here with me for a minute because to understand Job, if you're not familiar with Job in the Old Testament, it's Job, not Job, okay? We'll just clear that up right quick. So Job faced this spiritual battle that's happening, and God allows Satan to have his way with Job to a point. And we don't have time to go into all the theological significance of all this. But what we do know is that Job, all of his possessions, all of his children, everything was destroyed. And he had messengers coming to tell him of this. So for Job, they were coming from the north, the east, the west, and the south. So, so it would be like getting like four text messages in the same minute for us to hear about devastating tragedy. And so all these messengers come from every direction. So think about where Job is. Every, every direction that Job turns, all he sees is grief, heartache, devastation. And then his wife comes out and says, hey, here's a, here's a good idea for you. His wife says, hey, why don't you just curse God and die? That, that's his first encounter. I don't want to be part of that marriage counseling session, you know. now I'm not signing up for that one. But his wife says, curse God and die. And what was Job's response? No, I will worship in the midst of all this. And then his friends come along, and his friends aren't aren't really that much better. Instead of being with Job and sitting with Job and and, and having empathy with Job, they're telling Job, well, you might have done this wrong. You could have done that wrong. There's got to be some kind of sin in your life. And as he goes through this, we come to this passage where Job says, even though he might slay me, I will hope in him. The grief bucket had been dumped out upon Job's entire life. And his response was worship and hope. Worship and hope. That doesn't mean grief's easy. But it's God's Word provides us with the understanding that hope resides in salvation. It's an anchor for our life. Therefore, therefore we must realize that when heartache rises... We turn to where hope resides. You know, the gospel is full of heartache. Did you realize that? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is filled with heartache. Just think about it with me for a second. Let's, we, don't, we're not have, we don't have a timeline to show you, but let's just think about it for a second. The prophecy predicted Jesus would be a man of sorrows. Do you know Jesus was called names? Names? I was reading in John the other day where where leaders called him a Samaritan. And in that day and day, that's a racial slur, calling him a Samaritan like that. Do you know he was unjustly accused and taken into custody even though he didn't do anything wrong? That's heartache. When he needed his friends the most... They all went away. They weren't there. Not to mention how he was plotted against to be killed. If you read the Gospels and you read the Gospels in the New Testament, you see time after time that he slipped away and then the leaders, they plotted to kill Jesus. He had a hit out on him. The Gospel shows us that there is heartache and it all culminates on the hill of Calvary, as he goes to the cross to die in your place in my place to take on our sin. Even in the garden, he said, Lord, he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me. He's wrestling with this. There is heartache. There is pain. There is struggle. The gospel shows us that. But in the midst of heartache, struggle, grief, there is victory. Jesus didn't gain victory just for himself. He gained victory for all of us. And that's where hope resides. Hope resides in the gospel of Jesus Christ because of who Jesus is and the promise of his word. As we rewind and reflect on Job, Job responds to his friends that he's firm in this hope. And Job responds in a way that that he will continue to hope in the Lord. And this example reveals important insight for you and for me as we walk through our life. First, we have to understand we will experience grief. We won't be able to bypass the mile marker on our spiritual journey. Grief and heartache will take place. That's hard to accept, but we have to accept it. And We have to place our hope in the one who brings victory even over heartache and grief. Second, worship is the spring showers to the garden of hope. I mentioned how Job worshiped in the midst of all of this. So often we want to isolate. So often we want to pick the couch, not the pew. So often we want to move into our shell. And we were missing out on the worship that can rain hope into our soul. Because guess what? There's somebody else that probably wanted to move into their shell, but you and them may show up at the same time on the same Sunday, and then the church can be the church. We can walk the journey together. We can face the mile marker of grief together. We can proclaim that, yes, I'm hurting and tears are there and my heart is broken, but there's hope and victory in the name of Jesus. And when we raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for us. And we can live the hope that is only found in the name of Jesus. And that's what's missing in our culture. Finally, hope is the battery that strengthens us to navigate grief, to be recharged, to have the battery recharged, to take the next step in the midst of grief. We need each other collectively. And we need the hope that comes from knowing a risen Lord who keeps his promises, who is an anchor to sustain us, to walk with us, never to leave us or forsake us. And friends, that's what I want for you today. I want you to have that hope. I want you to possess that hope in your heart and in your life. I want you to live out that hope. I want you to project that hope. I want you to be an agent of hope through your regular rhythms of life. And I want you to hold fast, even in heartache and and trials and struggle, to the anchor of hope that is Jesus. Because it will glorify him. It will separate you from a culture that doesn't have hope. And it may make all the difference in the life of someone you know. As we conclude, I want to leave you with three key takeaways. I hope these are portable for you as we think about hope and being filled with hope in our culture. It all begins with placing your faith in the Lord. That's where it all begins. Maybe you've never taken that faith step authentically from your heart. Maybe you kind of know who Jesus is. Maybe you've been around a church a little bit. Maybe the culture of the South and the Delta, you feel like you're okay, but deep down in your heart of hearts, you've never placed your faith in the name of Jesus. That's the first step, my friend. Maybe you're watching today, and you have never made that step of faith. If you're watching today, and you need someone to help you, just type in faith in the comments, and we want to follow up with you. If you're here today after we dismiss and you've never taken that authentic step of faith in the Lord Jesus, I'm going to be around. Dan's going to be around up front after we dismiss. Quietly make your way back in. We want to talk with you, pray with you. We want to be here for you. But it all begins with placing your faith in the Lord Jesus. Second, hold on to the deep hope in the Lord. He is an anchor. You may be in that battle right now and you may feel alone and there may be something that you haven't told anybody about. And it's time to hold on to that hope that is only found in the Lord. To run back to Him and trust in Him that He will anchor you during this time. Finally, focus on hope in the storm of grief. Focus on hope. There's so much that's trying to drag your attention away in the midst of grief. Focus on the hope that's found in Jesus. Keep focusing. Keep turning to Him keep trusting in him keep praying to him keep calling out his name in the midst of grief because he hasn't left you and there's hope in the name of jesus let me pray for you lord i thank you for everyone here thank you for everyone watching and listening and i pray that we can be agents of hope because hope resides in you and i pray that today would be the day of salvation for someone that they would trust in you by faith they would repent of their sins and they would call upon your name as Lord and Savior and enter into the hope of eternal life. And Lord, I pray that we could focus upon you in our grief and in our heartache and in our struggle. In a year like this, both personally and collectively, we have struggled. May we turn and focus and find hope in you alone. God, may you use us as we leave this place to be agents of hope into a culture that seems hopeless. They're looking for hope. They're they're seeking for hope in all of these different places. May we project the one true hope that is found in your name, the name above all names, because hope resides in you. Lord, may you have your way among us. Move among your people. Help us to trust in you more. We pray this in your holy name.